This message entitled Weird Stuff is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. This is the first message in the series, Where Did You Lose It? Please enjoy Pastor Sean Myers as he delivers his teaching. We hope this serves you well. That's right. Well, welcome to 12 Stone in week one of our series, Weird Stuff in the Bible, because there's a bunch of it, right? And as we were getting ready for this series, one of the difficult processes inside of it was picking which weird stories to address, which ones to go after. Because if we're honest, uh, even weird things are different for everyone. See, something that, that might be weird for someone may not be weird for someone else. Let me demonstrate what I'm talking about through something weird that happened to me. Cassie, my wife and I, we traveled up to New York City a few weeks ago for her 30th birthday to celebrate that. We had a blast doing that, not because we were in New York City, but because we left the kids at home. It was amazing. Parents get an amen, you get it. Uh, But it was on the way back from this trip that I just experienced something so weird on the plane as we were waiting to take off. I got it on video, check it out. It's always around the region, where you go? That is water dripping inside of a plane. Not a good indication. Your belongs from the aircraft, and any questions will be asked. You can't touch your leg in the airport, if you still here, some people don't live in New York. Right? Some of you watch that and you can feel your anxiety just building up thinking about that. And now you can call me picky, but I prefer my planes not leak, right? Uh, And so it just kept pouring in. We're filling up cups of water. The flight attendants are bringing towels over to the person sitting next to me. This is the only window that is doing this right next to me. And everybody has an opinion of what's going on. I've got a guy sitting my right. He goes, listen, I work for the Defense Department. I work on airplanes. While I've never seen this before, it's probably okay. So reassuring, right? (laughs) Woman on my left, the woman on my left is typical New Yorker. Typical New Yorker. She's got the attitude. She's going to say what's on her mind. She looks right at him. She says, well, I work for Bed Bath & Beyond, and I know that's not okay, (laughs) right? (laughs) I'm thinking in my head, I work for Jesus, and he's telling us, get off the plane. We got to get out of here. Like, this is not okay. In fact, I mean, really, it became this thing. Everybody's looking at it, wondering what is going on, so much so that the the pilot actually walked back uh, to the plane and came up to us. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be on CNN. They're going to record this. Something's going to go bad. This is my moment. Uh, But really, he walks back, and he starts explaining to us that it's really not that weird. He goes, listen, I understand you're worried, but really, the the plane is not pressurized right now. The door's not closed. When that happens, this plane is going to pressurize. When we climb altitude is going to pressurize. This isn't going to happen. And the reason your window is the only window that's doing this right now is because this is the exit row and it's just built different and that's what's going on. And I'll tell you what, after he explained it, I felt better. I sat there and I said, all right, that's not that weird. I kind of understand what's going on. 
And, and that's true inside of our lives when it comes to things that are weird. Because things that are weird to us are, are often things that we don't understand, right? And so that's why we're leaning into the weird stuff in the Bible. So that we can get a better understanding of why it's there. In fact, I think we'll discover that as we lean in, it's actually not that weird and it's full of wisdom that God has for us. So today, right off the top, if there is one thing that I believe God would want you to take home, he would want you to understand about himself, it's this. You can write it down. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. That is who our heavenly father is. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Now I wonder how many of you in here are like me in that you find yourself constantly looking for things that you've lost. I don't know what it is. It drives me nuts, but I am always doing that in my life. In fact, it's so crazy that at times I'm looking for things that are actually on my possession. I have them with me. I have looked around my desk at work, moving papers around, looking for my pen when it's behind my ear. I've done that. I have looked for my car keys when they're sitting in my back pocket. I have been looking for sunglasses when they're on top of my head. Anybody ever done that with me? Anybody in this room? Yes, some of us, good. I'm not crazy, I get it. We've all had some things with us. Now, today, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about losing something else. Because while it's true that we can lose things physically inside of our lives, it's also true that we can lose things spiritually as well. Maybe you've never thought about it that way before, but we are just as capable of losing something spiritually inside of our lives as we are physically. For instance, maybe you have lost some passion. When you started following God, started following Jesus Christ in your life, you had all this passion within you, but over time, that's just grown distance and waned off. Maybe you've lost joy. You used to have this deep-seated sense of joy inside of your life that nothing could take it away, but over time, that's gone away. Maybe you had great faith, and you just prayed and prayed and prayed and expected big things from God, but today you're not praying that often at all. Maybe you didn't realize that your deep ache to see your family and friends come to life in Christ had gone away. Maybe you didn't notice that your dream that God has given you inside of your life to fulfill had grown distant. You didn't mean to lose your spiritual edge, but you lost it somewhere along the way. And the good news is that God knows, help, knows how to help us find what we didn't mean to lose. God can help you get your spiritual edge back. Now, just for clarity's sake, what am I talking about when I say spiritual edge, your spiritual edge? Here's what I'm talking about. Your passion for God. That might help you just to write it down. Our spiritual edge is our passion for God. It's our devotion to prayer. It's our commitment to reaching the lost. It's our love for our spouse, the love for our children, the leading that we have for our family and leading them spiritually. This makes up our spiritual edge. And today, we're gonna answer the question, when we lose our spiritual edge, our passion for God, how do we get it back? And we're going to do that by leaning into a fairly weird story. It's a story about a, flatting, a floating axe. Sounds weird, isn't it? Some of you, I probably bet none of you even knew that was in the Bible. There is an actual floating axe inside of the Bible. It's in 2 Kings, and it talks about a young prophet 
who loses his edge, literally. He loses an axe head. And God helps him get it back. And what I want to do is I want to show you how this applies to our spiritual lives when we lose our spiritual edge. Because God wants to help us get our edge back. So it's in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 in your worship center Bibles. Go ahead and grab those. We're going to page 368. Page 368, you can open them up right there. 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to start right at verse 1. Now, let me give you some context as you're turning there and getting ready for this story. This story is about a group of prophets, a prophet in the Old Testament was someone who was used by God to communicate God's message to the world. They were a big deal. They were communicating what God wanted to be spoken to people, and that's what's going on in this story. And we're going to read about Elisha leading a group of prophets. Now, Elisha was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He uh, actually performed more miracles that were recorded inside of God's word than any other person besides Jesus. This guy was a big deal. And as he's leading this school of young prophets, they literally outgrow the school that they're in. And so they have a problem and they bring it to Elijah with kind of a solution of what they can do. And that's where we jump into this story. Chapter 6, starting at verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elijah replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Now this is where it's about to get weird. Verse six, the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it in the water and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now, come on. How weird is that story? I mean, it just abruptly ends right there inside of God's word. I mean, a young prophet goes down to the river with the rest of them. They're going to build a school to have a little bit more space uh, to learn and to study under Elijah. And as he's chopping away, going after these trees, on the backstroke, the iron axe head flies off, (whistles) lands in the water. Incredible sound effects, I know. And lands in the water, and and it's just gone. And he cries out in this moment. I mean, just a weird story, but, but kind of to catch on to how weird it is, maybe we just need to see it. Maybe it'll just help us to get a visual of, of what's actually going on. So we're going to come back here. I got an ax head. We're going to drop it in some water just to give a visual of what's going on. And I kind of feel like David Letterman here. It's a Willis float kind of game. You guys remember that when you used to play that? Will it float? Obviously not. This is not going to float or else it wouldn't be part of the weird stuff in the Bible. So let me drop it in here. And, and, and quite literally... The story that we're talking about is this, an axe head that has flown off and fallen under water. And we watch God step in and do something miraculous to make an axe head float. And you've got to ask the question when you see that, why is this here? Why is this in the Bible? Why did God care enough to make the axe head flow? I mean, if you look at Elisha's track record, if you look at his resume, it's pretty incredible what he's done and what God has done through him. I mean, he's raised a man, brought a man back from dead, 
He's healed a body of water that was polluted to save a community. He's healed a man from leprosy by dipping him into water. He's blinded an entire army to save the nation of Israel. And now he's causing axe heads to float. Seems a little bit below his pay grade, doesn't it? So why is this here? Why is God doing that? I think it's clear based on one statement that the young prophet makes. It's at the end of verse five. Get it back out. You got it there. One statement he makes kind of speaks to me about why God would care so much to make this axe head flow. I'll read verse five. It says this. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Big statement by this young prophet. You can, you can understand the desperation inside of his voice in that moment because it was borrowed. This was not his axe head. Now, culturally speaking, this is a big deal. He could not possibly uh, pay back what this iron axe head would cost. Back then, iron was expensive. You couldn't just jump in your chariot and drive over to the hardware store. That wasn't going to happen. Like You had to mine this iron. You had to give it to a blacksmith to have it fashioned and formed and sharpened into a cutting edge. And then even to own one and to maintain it would be expensive. You'd have to be able to own oils that you could put on it to keep it from rusting just to maintain it. And, And so there was no way this young prophet was going to be able to pay this back. He couldn't return what was lost in this moment. So God miraculously shows up and demonstrates his power by raising this axe head and causing it to flow, which is a powerful moment because this young prophet could not repay this debt. So God paid a debt for him by bringing it back. Now let's bring this story to us, right? How could this weird story ever apply to our lives? I mean, come on, it's a floating ax head. What could this possibly matter to us? Here's how, and it's powerful and we can't miss it. The young prophet's ax head was borrowed, but so are you and I. You and I are borrowed. Let's look at the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, as a reminder, he says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, like the ax head in this story, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are bought at a a price, We are on borrowed time. Each day that we wake up is a gift from God to us. And what we do with that day is our gift back to God. It's how we honor him with our lives. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus Christ. And just like an ax head is fashioned, shaped, and sharpened to complete a purpose that it was designed for, You and I were shaped, sharpened, created, and designed to carry out a purpose as well. And that's to move the kingdom of God forward. Now, if we lose our spiritual edge in life, we are about as useful to God as an ax head is underwater. We can't lose our spiritual edge. We can't lose our passion for God because we were designed for a purpose to carry out his kingdom work. We gotta get sharp. 
We got to get our edge. And I think it's just a reality inside of our lives. As some of us, man, we are just caught up in busy lifestyles, chopping away at life, just going after endless to-do lists, taking care of our kids, going off to work, coming home. And sooner or later, we're just chopping away. And then we just look down and we realize that no trees are going down around us because we have lost our edge. We have lost our passion with God. And typically that just happens in the busyness of life. And God looks at that and says, I can help you get your edge back. That passion you used to have that you walked every day with, that joy that filled you up, I can help you go get that back in the same way I help this young prophet get his ax head back. And so what do we do? What do we do? When we're walking around life and we realize that we've lost that passion for God, when we realize that we're not just spiritually dull, we've lost that edge altogether, what do we do? How do we get that edge back? I think the prophet and Elijah walk us through a step-by-step process that would encourage us to follow, to help us get that spiritual edge back in our own lives. And the first thing we have to do is record right there in verse five. We'll go back to it and I'll read it. It says this, As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe had fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he what? What did he do? He cried out. Now altogether, what did he do? He cried out. It was borrowed. I think the first thing we need to do to get our edge back is to cry out to God. Just cry out to God. Get honest with him. It's realizing that you can't get it back on your own. The young prophet did the only thing he could do. He cried out. Notice he didn't grab a pole or try to fish it out of the water. He didn't dive in. It would have been deep. It would have been moving fast in the Jordan. He didn't do these things. He realized that the only way he was going to get his edge back was by crying out to God and having God supernaturally intercede and make it float. And when you sense that you're getting spiritually dull or that your edge is gone altogether, We have to go back to the only place we can go, and that is to cry out to God, because he is the one that has bought us at a price. Cry out to God. Now, I want to show you a video, and I think it's a a pretty accurate description of what we think or maybe imagine crying out to God might look like. And it's a video of my daughter, Ella, riding a mattress down some stairs. Now, we've probably all attempted something like this at some point in our life uh, with our kids. Really, it's just a bad parenting moment for Cassie and I on video, and we're just going to show it for your amusement. But I'm going to make a point of it and what it looks like to cry out to God afterwards. Check it out. Where'd you catch me? I'll catch you. Uh, yes! <laughs> Never again. Uh, we're trying. We're trying as parents. We're, we're, we're making our mistakes. Some of you, we get it. Now, listen, my daughter, Ella, is fine. This happened a few years ago. She's perfectly okay. She's going to need a lot of counseling when she gets older because uh, she has us as parents, but she's doing all right. But, man, I wanted to show you this video because the reality is, is, man, we think crying out to God is like being at the top of the stairs, right? We're happy. We're excited about life. It's going well. We're, we, we catch me? And we're just crying out to God. But the reality is, crying out to God, the way this young prophet did, is much different. It's after we've stumbled and fall and collapsed and gotten messy, and we're down there as parents catching out, that she starts screaming. It's that screaming that looks like what it is to cry out to God. 
That's what the young prophet was at. He had nowhere else to go. And that's, we, we have to learn to cry out to God in our lives. And when we do that, it's not gonna be clean. It's not gonna look good. It is gonna be messy. You are gonna walk into that moment stumbling, falling into the presence of God on your face, and you are gonna be crying out to him. But church, we have to learn how to cry out to God, to go back to our creator, the one that shaped, sharpened, and fashioned us to complete a purpose. He is the one that can restore anything inside of our lives that we have lost. Cry out to God. Go after that. Where are you tired Where are you burdened? Where are you weary? Where are you just out of options, out of passion? Cry out to God. He will meet you there every single time. Why wouldn't he? Man, what's encouraging to me about this story, as weird as it is, is that it is an ax head and that God returns that to this young prophet. And that encourages me because I begin to realize our God is not great just because nothing is too big for him. Our God is great because nothing is too small for him either. Nothing. That should be so encouraging to you. See, when you have a headache, God cares. When you're having a rough day, God cares. When your car won't start, again, God cares. When you're looking for your sunglasses on top of your head, God's laughing, but he cares, right? That's our God. Man, he loves you. He cares for you. These small things, he's in them. He's waiting. And just like Cassie and I were at the bottom of those stairs catching Ella after a disaster, your heavenly father will be there every time. Don't ever forget that. God is there for you. He's just waiting for you. He's just waiting. Will you cry out to him? Cry out to your heavenly father in these moments. He, he knows your weakness. It isn't a secret to him. He knows your weakness, but he longs to give you strength in those moments. So let me make it practical, right? What, you see a visual kind of of what it looks like to cry out to God, but what, what can that actually be? How can you actually practice that in your life? Uh, maybe for you, I do this. I write in a journal. I'll, I'll just write what's going on in my life in a journal. Maybe you're sitting in your seat going, I'm a dude, I don't write. Okay, uh, you don't have a journal. That's okay. Go in a room, close a door, turn off your phone, get away from everything else in this world and sit in that room and just begin to talk to God. Cry out to him. In those moments, sometimes I'm just talking, sometimes I'm crying, sometimes I'm yelling, and sometimes I'm just meeting there with God and he's just speaking to me. And it's helped me, practically speaking, if you, if you wanna get this practice inside of your life, I sometimes, when I started this, I put an empty chair in the room with me and I just talked at it. Helped me realize that God is that close, he is that personal when I cry out, that he's right there, he hears everything I'm saying. But if you wanna get your spiritual edge back, cry out to God, the one that can return it to you. The second thing we need to do to get our edge back, be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost it. Verse six carries the story in this moment. The man of God asked, simple question, where did it fall? It's a straightforward question. In reality, what he's really saying is the ax head isn't lost, it's just back where you left it. And here's the beautiful thing that I'm learning about the grace of God. When we screw up, when we get distant from God, when there's a gap between us, we don't have to start over with God in our relationship. We simply have to go back 
to where we got off track. A few years ago, oh man, I had a moment where I got off track with God. I did. It's kind of a funny story, but it uh, didn't turn out so well in the end. I was flying back from Indiana. I don't know what it is about planes. God just speaks to me on planes, apparently. And I'm sitting there on this plane, and as I'm sitting there flying back from Indiana to Atlanta, I just noticed uh, this flight attendant. Uh, she was pretty old, uh, about in her 40s. And um, <laughs> come on, I got to poke fun while I can, right? She was really old, mid-40s, and uh, I could tell that she was having a rough day. She was just having a rough day. And it was a late flight, so she'd probably been at it all day. I could tell she didn't have energy. She didn't want to be doing what she was doing. And I just got a, a, a prompt, a press from God. I felt like he wanted me to pray for her. So in that moment I did, I just bowed my head in that, in that seat and I started praying for her. And in the middle of that prayer, God was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I said, what do you mean? He said, I meant I want you to get up and go pray for her, pray over her. I said to God, well, let me tell you why that would be a bad idea. Uh, I would have to get up right now, walk down the aisle. Everybody would see this. This would be pretty awkward. I'd interrupt what she's doing, put my hand on her and pray, and that would be an awkward moment. I got a better idea. How about we wait till the plane lands, right? Because they've already announced people have connecting flights they need to get to. So let's serve them. It's all about them. Let them go uh, and get off the plane. And when it's empty, she's still going to be here, and I can just pray for her then. And I just felt like God pressed, no, I really want you to pray for her right now. And I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish I could tell you right now that I stood up right there in the moment, walked over and prayed for her, but I didn't in the moment. It took me some time. I sat there. I don't know why. I just started sweating. You ever had that moment where you just, you're sweating. You're like, you know I'm supposed to do something, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, finally, I just said, all right, let's do it. I got up. Got out of my seat, walked down the aisle, uh, wa walked right up to her, and, and it was as awkward as I thought. And I said, hey, I, I, I don't know why. I feel like God just wants me to pray for you. Would that be okay if I prayed for you? And she says, okay, yeah. And I put my hand on my shoulder, and I, I began to pray. And you know those moments where God just shows up, where he just shows up and does something incredible? This was definitely not one of those moments. <laughs> I, I started praying for her, and I'm telling you what, I, I, started, I, I don't even know your name, um, so God, I pray for this woman that you would help her have a great day, and I just pray that you would uh, give her energy to get through it, and as I'm praying, I get this sense, and I just open my eyes, and when I do, I see her looking at me like, <laughs> then I, I'm getting in, caught up and aware of my surroundings. I start looking around the plane, and everybody's looking at me, everybody's like, look at guy what is he doing and in this moment I am just so embarrassed I felt so stupid that literally I closed the prayer and God bless her amen and I just oh walked back to my seat and I just wanted to disappear close my eyes and I just said God just make me disappear I do not want to be here right now and I remember going back to God I'm like what was that what that's not how the, that's not how this works right you tell me to do something and you move and it's amazing and it's powerful and it's a funny story, but in the moment, it was not funny. That plane ride, that, that took forever to land and get off. It was, it was ridiculous. But, but it, it really affected me in my faith. I'll tell you what. I walked out of that situation. I was not happy. I was embarrassed. I remember crying out to God going, okay, we're done with this. You tell me to do something. Why would I listen? You didn't show up. It was some time after that. God would prompt me to do things inside of my life. I'd just say, no, I'm not doing that. 
Remember? <laughs> and you know what? You know what? And it was in a moment where I got honest with God, where I came to him and I said, you remember? And he goes, oh, I remember. He said, Sean, what if that prayer wasn't for her? What if it was for you? What if I just wanted to see if you actually believed what you say you believe? What if I just wanted to check how sharp your edge actually is? If you're still useful to me, if you're still on map and on mission for me. <sighs> Powerful moment. Man, I got honest with God in that moment with my frustrations. He met me in it, encouraged me, grew me up. Help me understand, I'm gonna look embarrassed a lot in my life when it comes to my faith walk with him and what he asked me to do, and that's just gonna be okay. I have to be okay with that. But how about you? Where do you need to get honest with God about where you lost your edge? Where did you lose it? Maybe for you, it was something like me. You, you took what felt like a spiritual risk. You, you, you stepped out with what maybe you thought God was behind or prompting you to do, and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Maybe it was a business venture you went after. Didn't work out. Maybe it was a sickness that you or a loved one were struggling with, and you just prayed and prayed for it, and healing never showed up. Maybe it was you wanted to lead your family spiritually and you began praying and leading them in moments and it went weird and you got embarrassed and you just stopped. Maybe you picked up the Bible and started reading it and it was so weird and confusing that you just stopped and you didn't want to try that anymore. God wants to meet you in these moments where you can be honest with him and say, God, honestly, this is where I lost it. And he will meet you and encourage you and grow you up and give you encouragement and still pursuing him and going after him inside of those moments where you took a risk. But maybe it wasn't a risk you took. Maybe you have to be honest about where you lost it. And the honest truth is that it's a reoccurring sin issue in your life. Man, nothing separates us from God more than sin. And it's not that he grows distant He's still there. It's just in our shame and our guilt. We, we, we don't want to run to him anymore. We're so guilty in it. Man, maybe you need to have an honest moment with God about where you lost it in a sin issue and it's still going on. And you know what? He will be there waiting for you. Say, I love you. It's okay. And he'll forgive you through Jesus Christ. And that's how we're saved. But that's what it's all about. Getting honest with God. Maybe, maybe it's time to get honest. Now, Practically speaking, what, what could this look like? Hey, for me, it's this. When I get honest with God, I get honest with others. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And God designed it to be that way, that we would get around people that love God or pursuing Jesus that could help sharpen us. For me, Wednesday mornings, I meet with a group of about eight guys that we sit down at a Dunkin' Donuts and we sharpen each other, where we, we talk about and we get honest about where we lost it and we encourage one another to press each other, to continue to take risks for God's sake, no matter what, instead of holding back. But maybe for you, you, that's you. You need to find a small group. We've talked about it here today. That we're, we're looking for small group leaders. You can fill that out, sign up to lead one in the fall. But maybe for you, that next step is to sign up for a small group, to get around people that can continue to sharpen you in your faith, where you can get honest with them and they can push you forward in that. We're gonna be launching those up in the fall. Some are still on the small group app. You can check that out.
But when it comes to our spiritual edge, we have to be honest about where we lost it. Because it's not lost, it's just where we left it. And by God's grace, we just have to go back to there and get right with God. The third thing we need to do to get our spiritual edge is this. With God's help, take back what you lost. With God's help, take back what you lost. Verse six continues, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. You know, I truly believe that getting our passion for God, getting our spiritual edge back is never more than an arm's length away. That we can just reach out and grab it. But like the young prophet, the way we get that back is through obedience. And often, obedience is taking risks. If you want to get that edge back, when you cry out to God, when you get honest with him, he's going to give you things to do, steps to take. And in obedience, we say yes. And that's exactly what Elisha did for this young prophet. He just pointed to it and said, take it back. But notice the prophet had to take it back. We have to do the same thing in obedience. And nothing has changed over the 3,000 some years since this story took place when it comes to obedience. Our callings are fulfilled and our faith is sharpened one obedient step at a time. That's it. Walk in obedience with God. Because you know, following Jesus isn't about living the perfect life, right? Because you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Following Jesus is about keeping your passion and pursuit of him intact no matter what. No matter what's going on in life, that you keep pursuing him in everything that you're doing. And when you lose your edge, you just reach out and take it back with God's help because he alone can bring it back to you. See, God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. And if you walk into this place today with pain, with shame, with guilt, regrets, that you've carried inside of your life and maybe you're distant from God because of it. Maybe you've lost your edge. Man, the most encouraging thing you can hear today is that God takes our if-only regrets and he transforms them through forgiveness into what-if possibilities. If you have walked into this place, man, going, if only I hadn't done that. If only I had followed God more. If only I had prayed more. If only I loved my family more. God would meet you in that place and say, listen up, through Jesus Christ, let's take those if only regrets and talk about what if possibilities. What if you prayed more? I'd meet you there. What if you began to read the Bible? I would give you clarity in what's going on and lead you through it. What if you loved your family the way I called you to love your family? It would transform it. What if we took our wives out on more dates? The women in the room said, amen, it's all right. What if we cared for people the way that Jesus cared for people? See, this is the gospel. Jesus takes what is lost and makes it found. And that doesn't end with our salvation and giving our lives to Christ. That's moment by moment, getting honest with God, crying out to him, and with his help, taking back what we've lost along the way. So as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, that question remains, where did it fall for you? Where did you lose your spiritual edge? Where do you need to have honest conversations with God? And with his help, where do you need to reach out and take it back? 
now here at the Central Campus. I wanna take a moment, can I just pray for you? Can I pray over you? Can I pray that God would move on you? And as I talk about this, as we even speak about this topic, the truth is God always works inside of our lives because what he's doing right now is he's bringing things up in your mind that are going on in your life that he wants to get back to you, that he wants you to reclaim, that he wants you to go back to him for. And I wanna pray over that for you. Would you bow your heads with me here in this place and can we ask God to just move? So God, we come before you grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God, you know how to help us find what we didn't mean to lose. And first and foremost, you did that through Jesus Christ for each and every one of us. And so God, I pray that in our pursuit of you, that we would never lose our spiritual edge. But the truth is we'll make mistakes. And when we do, may that not kill the passion within us. May that not deter us so much from you that we wouldn't seek after you passionately anymore. And I pray for this room right now that God, there are sins that you bring to mind in a teaching like this that we are struggling through. And I pray, Father, would you break those chains right now over those sins? May we have a a moment after this service as we go home that we would have altars at our homes that we would go to, that we would cry out to you, that we would get honest with you, and that you would restore things to us that we have lost spiritually inside of our lives. And would we see lives changed because of it? God, we thank you that where we have moments of hopelessness inside of our life. You give us true hope that can never fade, that can never go away. And would you meet us in our frustrations and continue to grow us up each and every day, encouraging us in our walk with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.